Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel, and we have a super duper special guest today. A man that needs no introduction, even though he's only been on the beat for like four months. (laughs) (laughs) We are joined by none other than Justin Williams from The Athletic. Justin, welcome in your long-awaited debut on the BCJ Podcast. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. First time, long time. Appreciate First the uh, time. appreciate the uh, invite, Chad. <laughs> you just kept you kept claiming that you weren't seeing all these text messages and emails and phone calls I was placing to get on, and, and finally, I guess they came through. I don't know. Your people had been continuously contacting my people, <laughs> and finally, I was like, "It's Justin or it's Shane." I'll, I'll have on Justin. So I picked you over Shane. I don't know. Oh, I, that, I I appreciate that. That doesn't say much. Sorry, Shane. <laughs> Oh, so have you uh, have you managed to find any sleep uh, after the past couple weeks? I there have been opportunities for it, but then I just, just other happen. stupid random stuff like NBA playoffs are on a game that I don't really care about that I end up watching <laughs> or, you know, a beat Bobby Flay marathon is, is on Food Network or something. So I have not uh, found much sleep, but that's of my own doing. It's Look. I think the past week we actually had have chances for that. Look, there's not much better than beat Bobby Flay. Right? I mean, you, I'm, I'm a big beat Bobby Flay guy. Let's not, I don't want to derail this right away, but. Oh, it, we're. It's, <laughs> go ahead. It's the half hour format, right? Right. Like, right. I'm not a big chopped guy. My wife loves chopped. No, I that, can't do like chopped. It's, it's too drawn out, but a half hour, I feel like that's that's right where it's at. See, I, I was going to warn people right from the jump. This podcast is going to go one of two ways. <laughs> it's either going to be extremely informative and you're going to walk away going, man, I really learned a lot today. Or it's going to be completely off the rails. My guess is the latter. I think we've already proven that. I'm going to try for the former. We'll do our best. I'm going to make an attempt. Probably not a very good attempt, but I'm going to make an attempt. And really what what this will show you guys is Justin and I are around a lot. Justin has the same philosophy as me. And Mo yells at me about this all the time. If they open the doors and tell me I'm allowed in, I'm going to be there. Mm -hmm. And so what that ends up in is a lot of time of me and Justin just standing around talking about the most ridiculous things that you could think of. Um, So that might come out on this podcast because that's generally what we've done for the past eight months. It is a lot of, there's a lot of like standing around time, even when there's something going on. Like if you're, you know, at a spring practice for three hours or whatever it is, like you can stand and watch, but you're still going to, something crazy is going to come up. Well, yeah. And it's a lot different than the previous regime because under the previous regime, which you missed, Tommy Tuberville would actually just come over and stand for like two of those three hours of practice. <laughs> While practice was going on, he would just stand and talk to us. So you, you missed out on that fun. Luke Fickle, a little bit more involved. It's a, it's a wonder that kind of the, those, those two tenures have gone in different directions, isn't it? <laughs> it's shocking, isn't it? It really <laughs> is. But we'll get to the important stuff here. Maybe never. Um, <clears throat> so tell me, Justin, you, uh, you, you started your tenure – uh, when the Athletic Cincinnati was formed, um, what in the hell were you supposed to be doing there? Because it wasn't the Cincinnati Bearcats beat when you got hired. No, it was not. Um, it was really just kind of anything. Um, oh, very detailed. Yes, uh, that that was the detail I was given. My <laughs> my editor still jokes about it. Like back when I was basically either covering or backup on every single beat we had. <laughs> like we had our, we had Trent on the Reds, but um, I was helping out there. We didn't have a Bengals writer yet, so there was like summer stuff going on. I was doing that, doing soccer stuff. It was really the um, there. There's many interesting things on and how the athletic got started, but I think a lot of it is. They started real quick with things and then realized they had to, like, recalibrate and... Like, actually plan? Yeah, exactly, and (laughs) and put certain things in place. But at the beginning, it was like, we want to get as many cities and sites out there as possible. And so they just did it. And then they were like, well, actually, we need some bodies to cover this stuff. And so then they just did that. And then, like, they kind of caught up to themselves. So I was just literally, like, a warm body who as far as they knew, knew a little bit about sports, and they're just like, go wherever there is something you can stick a recorder in front of. And that was what I did for, I don't know, like three or four months, I think. So that is, is that on like your LinkedIn profile, Warm Body? <laughs> Justin, Justin Williams, athlete. not to be confused with Jason Williams. Justin or, Williams. Or apparently Justin Williams, the hockey player. Who, yeah, last night you were trending yeah, nationally. Congratulations. I, I'm not a hockey guy, so it's always a little weird when that, when that pops up. I'm always okay. just afraid, like, 
holy shit, what did I what did I write or do that I'm not going to get fired for? And it was it was just like a, a game winning game seven of uh, double overtime, yeah. double overtime game seven, and you're clutch, brother. You're clutch. You know. And, and and warm body goes right there, right there on the LinkedIn profile. Warm body, comma clutch. So then, and this one, this is a a, long, a joke that is never going to die, probably between me and Justin. Justin gets uh, named the UC beat writer for the Athletic, and then he looks at his schedule and realizes that he has scheduled vacation for the first week of camp at Camp Higher Ground. It, it was actually there was like one day. So I was able to show up for the first day. Yeah, the first day you were there, and then you were gone for a week. Right, and, and annoy, <laughs> annoy Coach Fickle, and then just disappear out of his life for a week, and everyone else's. Uh, and yeah, so that was that's why, you know, when you schedule a family vacation like a year in advance, sometimes it doesn't always work out when you switch jobs. <laughs> I, I'm not going to ever let you live that down, almost as much as I'm not going to let you live down. Then you had a wedding for the spring football game. It was. It was not during, my wedding. During a coaching search, you had to go to a wedding and the, and the spring football game, and, and you're in sunny California. We're texting back and forth, uh, and, and you're at palm trees and uh, beaches and all the Hang, fun stuff that goes Hanging out with Mick Cronin. On. Yeah, hanging out with Mick Cronin. Well, I mean, that was the funny part, too, is you went there like four days after Mick did, so there was speculation that you had taken an athletic uh, Los Angeles job. Well, and my, you know, my mom was like very genuinely, seriously, like, "Hey, you should, you should meet up with with Coach Cronin while you're out there." Like, like he would want to see me or spend any time with me. Um, well, and he didn't have any staff. And and <laughs> we're, we're, what we're experiencing now at Cincinnati, uh, lots of free time for Coach Cronin. To uh, it, it was either you or Kareem. That's a- <laughs> and and he went to lunch with Kareem, which is incredibly disrespectful say, he, he said he had a bunch of like text messages from from russell westbrook and, and kevin love and kareem abdul jabbar to return my name wasn't mentioned in there so i, <laughs> I kind of felt like this might not happen while i'm out here but i mean i probably would have gotten lunch with coach Carter. he would have <laughs> answered my text new guy <laughs> that's the uh, difference right that's, there. that is the difference right there <laughs> so before we get into the uc stuff uh tell me justin what has your first eight months on the on the beat been like because it has been about as an eventful of eight months as, as there's been on the beat since, I don't know, 2009? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if, if I deserve UC a thank you or if they, they owe me a thank you. I'm, I'm it's not probably sure. you. Yeah, it's probably, probably you. Uh, it has been great. You know, when I first, for, to complete transparency, when I first started, they wanted me to focus on on basketball, which which makes sense. Um, and I was like, well, let me, let me go all in on football. I don't have a beat background. I was in magazines. Um, and so I was like, if I can cover football fully, even though it's not quite to the level that basketball is, that will help me get in, get to know people, get the kind of sense of how a beat works. And like it started, things just started going better from the start than we anticipated, uh, even before the UCLA game. But like we decided I'll go out to Los Angeles for that game just as kind of, you know, jump right into it. They have a big win. That all works out. And then as the season goes along and and they have a, a obviously a great 11 and 2 season things just kept trending really well and so then it was at some point you know a couple weeks months in they were just like all right we're just going to you're just going to be full time beat football and basketball from here on here on out uh, and from there it was a a big basketball season a big coaching search and now finally you know a, a little bit now we're we're in are we going to get to the portion of the podcast where we tell everyone the assistant coaching staff and and transfers that are coming in or are we are we just going to keep no, that I, I, no that i i actually i promised a guy named jerry on twitter yesterday that i was only going to jerry or larry like i forget larry jerry it's airy something airy uh, but, I, I promised him I was only going to tell him, so okay. I, I kind of I'm a man of my word. Fair enough. Uh, but to your original question, yes, it has been um, it's been fun. I mean, everyone always asks about like, are you a, a UC fan or, or does it make it better when when they win? And the easy answer is, yeah, if they're winning, fans are more invested. So you know, I think people are a little bit more interested to to read or follow the team a little bit more closely. Uh, but I also think it's just it's been obvious that there, there is an interest there no matter what, whether it's good or bad. Um, and if, I think if you put effort into it, I think this is something you've learned. Um, if you put effort into it, the people will read it, but it obviously is a lot, lot better if, if the team is good and interesting and winning. Well, coaching searches are good for business too. Let's, that's, that's also true. Let's be honest with each other. There, there's nothing that, that, uh, that drives membership quite like a coaching search. And, and especially one that wasn't really fully expected. Like, Right. There were, you know, 
rumblings and feelings and and whatnot and what have you. Um, let, let's let's full transparency. I won't mention who we were with, but I think for both of us, it kind of set in uh, when we were in Columbus for the NCAA tournament game. We're having dinner with a couple national guys, and they were like, uh, "You might want to look at this in terms of like." they're not going to get to Mick Cronin because I don't think there's a lot of people on their list that they can get before they get to Mick Cronin. And the two of us from that point on started looking and digging a little bit more and we're looking at each other going, Oh boy. Right. Mick Cronin's going to be really high up on that list. And if they swing and miss on one or two guys, Mick Cronin's going to have a decision to make and we're going to have a very interesting April. Well, and the ones early on, the ones that he that Cronin's name was always kind of mentioned for were like Virginia Tech and Alabama, which and, the Virginia Tech one was the, the worst kept secret that that job was going to be open. Uh, but we felt like the, neither of those were good fits. But the UCLA one, I, you know, at least I personally hadn't thought that there was much chance there early on. But once it seemed like, well, they might actually get to him, like you said, then then it was it was a little intriguing. I remember we both had a moment in that dinner. Where we were like, huh? Yeah, that, because. I think we both had the same thought, like, yeah, UCLA, because it's UCLA, would be a job of interest, but they're probably not going to get to Mick Cronin on their list. And and the more you start, I talked, I called a, a national source that night after dinner, and they're like, well, I mean, look at it realistically. Like, here are all the names that UCLA is going to have to pretend like they're going to try to get, and they're not going to get any of them. And then here are the names that, UCLA is realistically once they actually get to somebody that they're going to hire here are the names realistically that they're going to get and Mick Cronin was like third or fourth on that list and it was knowing how coaching searches go a lot of times you end up with your third or fourth hire so it's like this is actually like something we're going to have to heavily monitor once this season ends and then the season ended and the UCLA thing went through you know, a million different ups and downs, but at the end of the day, the uh, the wheel stopped on the bottle stopped on Mick Cronin. Uh, Mick Cronin and UCLA kissed, and and now now it's the John Brandon era at Cincinnati. Which uh, congratulations on your first coaching search for a guy that had never done a beat before. You got pretty much everything a beat could entail, outside of like serious losing. You got everything a beat could entail. All bundled in to nine months or eight months of football and basketball what's well, if so if in december or even january we were saying like oh yeah we're going to go through a coaching search at uc the obvious answer would have been fickle, fickle at that yeah. point um which is interesting to think about i want to mention something so you talked about that idea of it wouldn't take long to get to mick um the thing that's interesting is the person who i think understood that pretty quickly was mick cronin not to not to pimp the own site that I work for. I didn't write this piece, but Seth Davis had a piece about how Mick ended up at UCLA earlier this week, and he like has a quote from Mick in there where he was looking at the the game notes that um, Andre puts together at some point and realized that like the only non I forget who it was the only coach under fifty or something like that that had yeah Sean Miller right right it was Sean Miller was the only one ahead of him in terms of winning percentage. And so, you know, he's thinking about in terms of people that are willing to, you know, people don't tend to leave power five jobs, even if it's for another power five job. But looking at people that have those those jobs, maybe at a, a lower level um, and have a good winning track record, like there were not a ton of people ahead of him. So I think even he realized early on, maybe he didn't realize how it at all end up with him being there, but that he might have a chance at, at least getting interest there, which is, which is interesting in retrospect. Well, yeah, I think when it settled in for me as somebody, I was talking to somebody and they said, you know, the last couple years, like this has been fairly easy. Like Chris Holtman was definitely in line for a bigger job than Butler and Chris Mack. Everybody knew that, you know, Louisville was the job that he coveted. And there were always kind of like, uh, you know, this guy fits into that situation. This guy's next, this guy's next. And when we got to this cycle, there wasn't really anybody that was quote unquote next. Right. I mean, you know, maybe like a, a Matt Painter fit that mold, but but clearly he's happy with where he's at right now at Purdue. Um, and, and nobody had really risen above Mick Cronin in terms of, uh, you know, national accomplishments. Uh, Jamie Dixon clearly fit because he was from Los Angeles. Uh, but that's the craziest buyout story I've ever heard. 
Not only was it a $10 million buyout, but then Jamie Dixon was personally on the hook for all the taxes on the $10 million. Right. So Jamie Dixon would have had to have basically worked for free to take the UCLA job. The first year he would have had to work for free. And really, like tax-wise, probably it would have been two years. Yeah. Because he would have paid taxes on that money the first year and cut it in half, and then the second year and cut it in half. He probably would have had to work for free at UCLA for two years in order well, to pay off the box. Wasn't tax. part of it too? Like his wife was from there, so his in-laws live out there. Yeah. Like it would it would have been great if Jamie Dixon was having to live in his in-laws' house <laughs> just so he could coach it. Like that, you know, someone would have got a good story out of that. <laughs> that would have been a good reality show. It is the the whole thing with the coaching search, though. Even though at some point we realized this is this is a real possibility, it did feel like the longer that it went on, even with everything going on at UCLA. Like I had talked to someone, Mick got hired on a Tuesday, and I talked to someone after it happened who said that they thought once you know it got through that weekend, like okay, it, it was because it had been two weeks after the season, or maybe even three weeks after the season. It seemed like the longer it went along, the two less weeks. chance it was going to happen, and then it just kind of it kind of popped up in part because of everything, the Dixon and Rick Barnes and everything that went on at UCLA. Yeah, and then the fun of coaching searches. Um, what, what what's more fun for me and I've experienced this you know, quite a few times, especially on the football side. What's more fun for me is all the misinformation that finds its way out. Right. Because especially on this search, there wasn't really a whole lot of, of information. There was, you know, the Frank Martin stuff that bubbled and then quickly fizzled out. Um, but ultimately, like John Brannon was, was pretty clear. Like this is a guy that's, that's going to be a primary target. Um, Bone talked about in the, in the, the, press conference you know that they kept going back to all right here's a new target let's compare him to the guy we have at the top of our list all right we're keeping the guy at the top of our list it was kind of like king of the hill um damn it bobby um it was you know in terms of like how they were they were sorting this thing out there really wasn't a whole lot of mystery but there was plenty of names that people floated uh and there was a lot that went on behind the scenes I think part of the problem with Brandon too was like it was it was so obvious. Yeah. And so I think even maybe some people who were making the decision that made them just a, a little bit extra careful that the fact that that was the first person that every even casual fan was like, well, they should hire that guy from Northern Kentucky. You know, the fact that he's just right across there that he has roots and history here. I think that almost made it a, a little more hesitant to just immediately jump into it, even though in the end it was like the most obvious, blatant option was actually ended up being the best one. And uh, that was that was five six days of uh, of fun, and, and you were you were willing to not go to a, a family member's wedding in Los Angeles in order to monitor this if they felt if if everybody felt like something was going to happen, and then sure enough, you get on a plane to fly back from Los Angeles, and while you're in the air, uh, it, the story breaks. So you land. Take me through landing and realizing you got to be kidding me. Uh, so again, in, in the interest of full transparency, while I didn't have all the information, I had a good sense that when I got on the plane, by the time I, by the time I landed there, there could be news. Um, now, you know, in all of my infinite wisdom, uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a man of, of modest means booked an Allegiant (laughs) flight with no in-flight Wi-Fi. Um, not that the in-flight Wi-Fi ever works anyways, but didn't even have the option to, to give it a chance. So I did, I, I, I don't, and this might put me on some FBI watch list. I did at one point in the air, just turn on, turn off the airplane mode to see if there was any signal or service that I could get wherever we, wherever we were. 30,000 feet in the air, Justin's checking for service. Exactly. Seeing if he can ping a cell tower 30,000 feet away. Trying to get the tweets. Um, <laughs> and that didn't work out. So I was like, all right, you know, I'm just going to. I'm, I'm going to watch Triple Frontier, which I downloaded from Netflix. And when I land, we'll we'll see where we're at. And uh, it was one of those things where, like, you turn on the phone. And bing, just, bing, 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 bing. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> I was, um, it was it was like a, a little bit, I don't know, freeing in some way. I was uh, at, at, a, at a football camp and got the word, you know, it's done. John's going to meet with his team. Um, you know, after he meets with his team it can get out there, but we wanted to meet with his team first. So the football camp was like 40 minutes from my house. So I'm like, all right, I got to go. So I, I leave Shane, uh, to, to handle the rest of covering the camp. 
Gosh, the two just Shane slights in the same podcast here. No, no, that wasn't a slight. Like, we were there working the camp, and I had to go. So I'm like, all right, you get to work the rest of the camp. You got to do all the interviews. And the, the camp had just ended, actually. So it was like this was the time that we actually had work to do to interview mm-hmm. players and get information, and, and I, I left. Um, <laughs> he did a great job handling it, uh, but I left. So I'm driving home, and um, sure enough, on the way home, and it's the same thing that happened. I was driving home when Mick took the UCLA job. I was going to say, that was like, yeah. if there's ever any evidence that they don't care about us in, in this timeline, we there was a spring football practice the day that Mick left for right, UCLA. Yeah. And you like ended and you left and you were like, what, pulling into your driveway when the news broke? I was like four minutes from my house. I was going up the hill in Independence, heading to my house. And all of a sudden my phone started blowing up. Mick took the job. I'm like, you got, you couldn't wait four minutes, Mick. You couldn't wait four minutes until I get home. Till I'm we're at my, told at my you, state. Yeah. Let me know. Half an hour earlier where you were yeah. at UC. No, no, they don't care about us. So in my car again. And all of a sudden, the national guys start reporting it. Um, so I rush home, get everything situated, and get ready for a press conference the next day. Right. Um, so for you, how has been the the transition to to uh, to coach the Coach Brandon era? It it always like when you talk about um, the press conferences and abstract it, it's like the lame cliche thing to talk about winning the press conference. But when you actually see it in like happening in front of you. Like it was very obvious that Brandon won that press conference and that's a big deal. And yeah. that matters to people for, you know, and when it happens, it makes sense. Cause you're like, this is really the first time that a lot of people, unless they were closely following NKU have a chance to hear him and get a sense of his coaching philosophy, his personality, all those things. And I think he did a really good job of going up and presenting those things. And, you know, of, in some ways, of course, Mike Bone's going to say something like this, but he he's told me multiple times that he has introduced tons of coaches over however many years he's been an AD at, at tons of different universities. And he felt like Brandon was the most prepared for that moment specifically of anyone he's ever introduced. And I think if you're watching it, you, you could see that. Yeah. And then, you know, since then, obviously, he's been very busy um, and I haven't had a ton of interaction with him since then. But I, I think... All I had heard in terms of from a media perspective was great things um, about him going into this this hiring. And I dealt with him a little bit, but it was just kind of like tangential things that had to do with NKU. And uh, at least whoa, so far, whoa, whoa, what tangential like that is, <laughs> that's that's a word too big for this podcast. Like you got to know the audience, the audience you're speaking to and tangential is is your, your side piece. Does that is that, okay, is that a little better, better? better. If this was the Dan Lebetard show, you would be in the penalty box for two minutes for using tangential. Fair enough. My apologies. Uh, <laughs> so, but I had done some, I had talked to him like on the phone for a couple stories that involved NKU or just kind of the local coaching college scene, uh, but hadn't had any extensive interaction with him. Um, and even like, you know, talk about winning the press conference. He did it when I, when I first introduced myself to him on that, that Monday when he had, after the press conference, he was like, Oh, Hey, Justin. And, you know, acted at least very excited whether or not he was very excited. I, I, he probably wasn't, but he, no, I think he, was. he won He's, me over with that. So, you know, he did a really good job in all facets of, of dealing with the media, you know, of, of presenting himself to, people in the administration there, some of the kind of booster donor people that you have to work with and really the team, like he made a big effort. Uh, and so did, so did bone in, in that press conference to make sure that it was about the players. Cause I think he understood the kind of unique situation that this roster is in, and this team is in heading into next season and that he's going to clearly do whatever he can to, to make sure that he makes that transition as smooth as possible for, for them. Yeah. And that's, and that's why things that first week were kind of slow. Um, and then he was on the road, uh, doing some recruiting and, and other amongst other things, uh, over the past couple of days, got back in town yesterday. Uh, it, it's, it's been a whirlwind. I can only imagine from his perspective, um, you know, you, you get put into that spot and for probably a month, maybe even six weeks. And we've talked, I've talked to fickle about this. I'm sure you have too. Um, when you first get that job your world turns upside down different for fickle because he was still at Ohio state preparing for a, a national championship uh, run mm-hmm. or attempt. Um, but then he was still trying to handle this uh, was working two jobs at once basically. But 
the, those first six weeks, man, I, I can only imagine the chaos that, that their life goes through uh, as they have to try to, to juggle 80 million different things in terms of getting the, you know, the foundation of your program set uh, whilst having to recruit and handle, you know, transfer situations and get to know the guys that are on the roster. There's just so many different things that go into it that people don't really think about that. I know I've talked to him a couple times where it's 1130 at night and he still hasn't been home or he's just on his way home. Right. Um, yeah, the it, one time that he called me for something I was working on since he, since he joined, it was like, I was told, Hey, he's going to call you sometime this evening. And it was like 1030, 1045. And he was like, I hope this isn't too late, but he was still in, in the office working when yeah. he did that. And it's pretty clear. Like that was the first chance he had had to even take a semi break to do something. Semi break. That doesn't really exist. And it probably won't. Um, and well, then he gets he gets the fun of this coming weekend to go out on the on the road recruiting again. And the other part, aside from the shit show that is the St. John's situation, I, I mean, he was the last. I think he was the, the second to last, basically major program hire of this offseason. So he yeah. got a late start, anyways. Yeah, and and when you get to that point, a lot of the assistants are already gone. Um, he tried one home run swing on an assistant early uh, that Alabama kind of got word of, got wind of, and, and didn't let the guy leave town uh, in in ways that only Alabama can. Right. Um, so it, it's – I just can't imagine getting my brain around everything that – you know, because we were putting in 15, 18-hour days for two weeks, and we really weren't doing that much of anything. A lot, a lot of talking on the phone. Yeah, like a lot of t- – I actually – the funny thing is the day of the um, – the day of the press conference – so everything's done, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I get in my car to drive to UC, and literally for the first, like, six minutes, I'm having a mini panic attack because I'm like, I should be talking on the phone. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I need to call someone. Who should I be talking to? <laughs> it was weird. It's like, there's nobody to call. It's over. He's hired. Like, just calm down, Chad. You do not need to be on the phone right now. And I'm like, I've been on the phone for two weeks. Who do I? I got to talk to somebody. And it's a lot of like weird times too, because you know people are getting stuff done during the day. So a lot of times in the evening is the only time they have to talk. So my wife's like, "Why? Who are you talking to at eleven thirty to to one thirty at night about Chad. basketball?" <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, I mean, you know, about a basketball coaching search, and it's like that's that's a, a lot of times the only time people had to talk about it. Well, and I, you're like me. I'm I'm really bad at sleep. Yeah, it is not something that I excel at. Um, pretty good at naps. See, I need to get you, you, I need to get better at that. I need to learn your ways. Well, I, you also have, how old is your daughter? Three, two? No, yeah, she's not, she'll be two this summer. So, yeah. So naps aren't, you still got like three, four more years. Although I, I was really good at that, that stage. Um, cause I think you, you're doing a lot like how we did, uh, where I kind of was a stay at home dad for the most part. Um, except for when, you know, I had to go to campus or like mm-hmm. had to take care of UC stuff. Uh, so when she took a nap, there was about a 75% chance that dad was, uh, taking advantage of nap time by also taking a nap. Yeah. I'm just not, I'm, I've, I'm more just guzzle, guzzle coffee and, <laughs> and push, push through. That's, that's usually what I do. I need to, I need to work on the naps. Speaking of coffee. Hmm. This podcast is brought to you by the fine folks at Trace Pountas Coffee. They have fresh roasted gourmet coffee shipped directly to you. The coffee beans are roasted to order your order and shipped out immediately. Every bag of beans has the roast date clearly printed on it so you know your coffee is fresh. Justin, I have not brought you Trace Pountas yet, have I? You have not. Do you are you like a ground coffee guy, a K-cup guy? Like how do you how do you get your coffee? I, I prefer ground, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not above, above, above a K cup of it's hot and caffeinated is kind of the main requirement for me. But, uh, if, if I'm having my, having my choice, I like to do the little one cup pour over stuff. Well, next time I, I get a bag of fresh ground trace pound test coffee delivered to my house because I have a subscription, I will let you try it. And then after you love it, you go to trace slash coffee. And you sign up for a subscription. That's T R E S P O N T A S dot com 
slash coffee. You sign up for the coffee subscription. You get freshly roasted beans sent to you every one, two, or four weeks. You sound like a guy that might need a fresh bag of coffee every week. I might, might, yeah. But that's your choice. Uh, When you sign up and enter Bearcats, this is key, Justin, Bearcats at checkout, you get 20% off every bag of coffee in your subscription. It is. I will say it's catching on at the, uh, you know, kind of down there on, on Varsity I, Village. I know. I, I, see. I, I'm like a drug dealer. I've taken <laughs> I've taken bags of Trace Pountas and handed it out to a couple different people in the building. And word is spreading about right. the deliciousness of Trace Pountas coffee. What do you think you'd be? Light, medium, dark, or French roast? Like, what, what's the Justin Williams way? I know that, um, like, all the coffee nerds out there, they claim that the lighter the roast, the more taste notes or whatever in it. But yeah. for, for me, like, you cannot make it dark enough. The, the, the What I get is medium. And okay. that's, that's what I have uh, peddled around the university is the medium. Um, I'd be interesting. I haven't heard uh, reviews on the dark and the French roast, uh, mainly because everybody enjoys the medium. I, I've told it on this podcast many times. I've got like six family members. You're going to make one of my family members mad uh, because I'm going to give you the coffee and not them. <laughs> it is. I'm, I'm interested. To, you know, the I, I drink it black, which it is the most and potentially only manly thing about me is that I drink like <laughs> black, darker, dark roast coffee. <laughs> no comment. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's get to it. I think that's enough coaching search. And we just kind of organically got into that. Yeah, um, that was an unplanned segue. Unplanned segue. What we were going to lead off with was was spring football. Well, I guess um, before we move into that, we should say like there there we've you've talked about it. I've written about it. There's there's some official visits happening. There's still some assistant coaching search happening. But uh, we just there's nothing that we at least me personally that I have to report that isn't already out there. Yeah, as of today, uh, as of two nineteen Eastern time. On Thursday, nothing new to report that I haven't told Larry or Jerry. <laughs> he might have information you guys don't. I can't can't remember what what his name was, but um, I might have told him some things that I haven't told anybody, including Justin. Right. Correct. Uh, but if there's anything I can I can let out to you guys, uh, we'll let you know when it happens. But as of now, <laughs> so far nothing new. Uh, Cameron Justice expected on campus today. Uh, David Sloan, the junior college point guard, originally from the Louisville area, uh, should be done with his visit by now. Uh, he came in on Tuesday night, and then Cameron Justice comes in today. Um, might be another one I'm trying to verify, but not sure yet. Uh, but stay tuned on that. Lots and then they'll be, they'll be on the road this weekend. Yes, and I did want to clarify on that. I, I've had a couple people ask. Um, Dwyer is hired as a bench assistant, uh, with John, but if you don't have your staff full or if like, um, I pointed this out to you when we were talking two years ago, uh, Antoine Jackson's daughter was graduating college, so he couldn't go out on the road for one of the live periods. And Cincinnati was able to send out Greg Yankovsky, uh, to fill in. And I think that will, again, like they'll be, that'll be the case probably with Tim Morris, Mm-hmm. Um, who is uh, going to be in a player development or one of those roles. Um, I would expect he will be out on the road uh, over the next three three days as well, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, so they'll have at least Coach Brandon and two guys out on the road is my assumption. Um, and then I'll be in Atlanta. I, I, I booked my hotel room the other day. I'm ready to go. I missed my uh, AAU fix last year. Mm-hmm. I, so because of that, I'm excited to go back out on the road this year because I missed everything last year. But I would guess by Saturday at like 7 p.m., I'm going to be like, "I right, this stinks. <laughs> <laughs> that first, like, it, it, it's one of those things, like, you know, I, we always talk about between us, like, there's this, like, uh, miserable human mentality that exists in, like, the, the world of sports mm-hmm. uh, coverage. Where you know everybody's miserable and it's like well, it, you're covering sports. Yeah, like, you can com- really complain not. about the free food isn't good enough, yeah. or you know all that kind of the, the press box view is is slightly obscured or something like that. I've got a pole in my way. I can't see the 27 yard line. Uh, what if something big happens at the 27 yard line? These the, elevators the, are moving so slow today. Yeah, it's ridiculous. yeah. Um, but there, once you get to like, 
and it's not too bad now um, in the spring because the, the players are still in school. So the events are only Friday. Like, they start Friday evening, all day Saturday, and then half a day Sunday, and it's over. So those aren't too bad. But when you get to July, the events start on Wednesday and go until Sunday at, like, 6 o'clock. Wow. And by, like, Friday, you know, you had the 18-hour the, the day in the gym on Thursday, and you're at, like, hour 13 on Friday, and you still have Saturday and Sunday to go. <laughs> You're like, I I hate my life. <laughs> <laughs> You're just sitting in bleachers, either wooden or metal, aluminum, and it's just bouncing balls. And, oh, there are worse things, but it is one of those few things for me that triggers me to the point of, like, what am I doing <laughs> right now? Un- understood. But th- these weekends, I'll be out, I think the next three weekends um, is, is for sure – I will be out this weekend in Atlanta, EYBL, the Nike event. I'll be out next weekend in Fort Wayne. Uh, Justin knows it's really not about basketball when I go to Fort Wayne. Um, I, you, like, so the reason, the reason I go to Fort Wayne is there's this place called Oli's Pizza. And it's, if not number one, it's easily top three on best pizzas I've ever had. And me and uh, Rick Boring from the Xavier site, Broering, sorry, Broering. Um, we would go there every time we went to Fort Wayne. And then Rick doesn't do the travel stuff anymore. Uh, so he would have me on my way out of town order him one. So, of course, I'd order myself one. Mm-hmm. And just sit it in the back seat and bring it home. And then he would come over to my house and pick up the pizza that I had ordered four hours ago from Oli's Pizza in Fort Wayne and take it home. It's like, it's it's kind of like a deep dish. It's called a double crust, where they mm. have a crust on the bottom and then they put a crust on the top. So it's, it's like a like a legit pizza pie almost. Yeah, yeah. And we get the I think it's called the Godfather, and it's got like Italian sausage and capicola and pepperoni and salami, and it's literally a heart attack. Like, I get you get the large, and you can only eat like one piece of this pizza because it just sticks to your ribs. Um, if you get a second piece down, we've done this before where we've gotten it on the way into town mm-hmm. and eaten it like in the parking lot before we went into the event. <laughs> and we're sitting there on a Friday night in our chairs, just like, Honestly. yeah, <laughs> but really the only, I am, I, this is my dedication to my family. I am missing my cousin's wedding in St. Louis to go to Oli's Pizza in Fort Wayne. <laughs> Again, that that is why you have the podcast and I am just a guest. But I will, <laughs> I will say, I have heard multiple th- multiple times you've told me about this pizza place. I know nothing about this AAU tournament. I ever, any, We only get to the pizza part anytime we talk about this. It's this actually – well, here's why the tournament has kind of fallen into the – like I loved it the first few years that I went. Um, but then Mick Cronin's staff really wasn't recruiting the Midwest and it's basically a best of the Midwest tournament because it's, it's not shoe affiliated. So you have all of the Nike Under Armour and Adidas teams from Ohio, Indiana, Michigan, Kentucky, Illinois. Um, like it's a loaded event, but Cincinnati wasn't really recruiting any of the kids. So I was just kind of there, like, watching. I spent a lot of time watching, like, the young kids in Ohio. So at least, like, I had a feel for what was coming up. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there's only so much time you can spend watching. It was my I, I saw D'Angelo Russell for the first time there mm. uh, when he was 15 and under. Uh, it was at that event where Anthony Davis was kind of discovered. Oh, right. You were telling me about this. Yeah, that was um, – and he I was, thought, like, literally growing inches while he was standing on the yes, floor. Yes, he was 6'7 when the game started. He was 6'8 and a half uh, by the end of the first game. And uh, I, that that time, there was, like, five of us. And one of them was Dave Tellup, who, for my money, is the, the best was the best uh, high school scout that, that has done it. And now he's with the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, but we watched, like, four minutes of this kid. And Tellup was like, who the hell is that? And they didn't have an updated, like, roster in the – this is one of the best parts of AAU. I'll, one day I'm going to get you out on the road with me, and you'll get to 
to see how this works. We had to uh, we have to pay like five dollars for each age group mm-hmm. rosters. Gosh, and then half of them don't show up, or they they don't they don't turn in rosters. So you pay for something, and then you go to flip the page to find the team to see what the roster is, and it's either it doesn't exist because they didn't turn it in. Or it's all wrong, and it's got all the numbers wrong. So you're looking, who's number four? And really, that guy's number 15. And number 15 is number 11. And so you have no clue who is who. So we sent somebody over, came back. It was Anthony Davis. uh, (laughs) And the rest is kind of history. That was one. It was almost like we sat there that first night. We watched the kid play one game, and everybody was like, I don't know who he is, but I think he's the best player in the class. <laughs> and that's where he ended up. Um, so it's a great event. A lot of fun. One of the one of the more fun matchups ever uh, was at that event. Uh, well, I wouldn't say more fun ever because the referees just don't know how to officiate giant humans. Mm-hmm. Remember, remember Josh Smith? Yeah, like Atlanta Hawks Josh Smith? No, 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 no. Um, oh, uh... UCLA, Georgetown. Yes, yes. 400-pound yes. Josh Smith. Correct. The big <laughs> Yeah. Josh Smith, literally every time we saw him, was 35 pounds heavier than the time before. <laughs> no lie. Every time we saw him, like, damn. The only time he, we saw him that he was smaller is I guess he had his tonsils taken out. And he literally couldn't eat for the two weeks in between events that we saw. <laughs> but it was him against Jared Sullinger. Wow. Uh. And that was a lot of beef. A lot of beef. <laughs> That's a lot of beef. Smith was a good, probably three twenty-five, and Sellinger is probably two seventy-five. I think, if I remember right, though, they hit Smith with two fouls in like the first ninety seconds. Um, and it, AAC officials doing this game? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we got to see a lot of it in the in the second half, but the first half it wasn't. Uh, wasn't nearly what it was hyped up to be, but uh, if you ever if you ever get a chance, maybe you're uh, what is up there? There's one of those um, women's design like designer purses, outlets, something, and I forget what it is, but it's up there. Uh, they have like a convention every year that we're there. Um, but that's there, and then the, are the, you saying that's what would get me up there? Or maybe, maybe. Well, yeah, up. maybe, yeah, maybe your wife would let you go if you took her up there. Let her shop. We'll watch some basketball and go to Oli's Pizza. We might need her at Oli's Pizza though, because, like I said, one or two pieces—that's about it. Um, and then the the weekend after that, uh, the EYBL will be back in Indy, so I'll probably go up for that one too. Um, but that's what's coming up the next couple of weeks. I, I'm I'm trying, ladies and gentlemen, to get Justin to attend at least one day of one of these events with me so he can get to understand the absurdity of uh, <laughs> AAU basketball. Two years ago was was ultimately the best the, like the the best moment though. I'm I'm sitting there watching a game and I hear this rustling next to me, a lot of commotion, and I'm sitting on the like the very edge of the bleachers, like in the third row. Um, and I turn around and it's Shaq (laughs) and you don't realize how, I mean, you understand he's a massive human, but you don't realize until you like turn your head and you're looking at the middle of his stomach while you're (laughs) up in the third row of rising bleachers and you just look like the sun is blocked. (laughs) The lights have just completely gone dim and you're like, Oh my God. And then they like emptied out like they made a whole like section like 10 feet of the bleachers like y'all gotta go (laughs) Shaq and his wife are sitting there and you're not so you gotta get up (laughs) it was to watch his his son who's now UCLA yeah right right um but that was uh that was fun um all right let's get into spring football and we are we're already 45 minutes into this and we haven't talked about what we wanted to talk about uh tell me about the spring game what'd you think <laughs> great great weather uh it was great weather. Lo- lovely west coast weather while i was out there um for you what from what i from what i understand uh it was it, it was a, a good showing uh on the field great great breakdown all right that's gonna wrap it up everybody he's just nah um overall i, throughout... I did all the pre-work i did yeah. I, I let the spring game to the professionals and then the I don't know the we haven't we haven't asked Luke Fickle the method behind the madness. He is the only coach in the country that schedules two practices after the spring game. Right. 
I don't know what the the thought process was is in that. I'd love to. Maybe you could write a story on that. Since you're the since you're the big story, since you're good with your words, maybe you could write a story on that. Um, the only people that are interested are me and you, because we had to go back and cover. I would say uh, it was two- because we were there on Tuesday after the spring game, and it <laughs> yeah. felt a little weird. Uh, overall impressions of the spring, though, uh, for me at least, it, it he he set the tone early. Desmond Ritter looks like a different dude. Is 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 carrying himself like a dude that is a third or fourth year starter and, and mm-hmm. not a first year starter. Yeah, and you know, talking to some of the guys, I think even after he took the the starting job, the fact that Hayden Moore was still there and was a senior, yeah, I, I, you know, even though he's playing a rookie of the year level and and really leading the team. I think there was some of him that was still wanted to be a little bit reserved and didn't want to, you know, overstep. And now that, you know, he's actually the, I guess, Sopko's older, um, but, you know, he's, he's the leader of the team. He's, he's a returning starting quarterback. And I think he's really kind of just blossomed into himself as a leader um, off the field and on the field. You know, we saw some of that last year, like when Mike Warren let slip that Des talks trash on the field, which was one of the top five moments of last season. <laughs> but you just in practice the way, you know, he's like talking on the sidelines and, and joking with guys and, and talking a little bit more. We, we didn't see that last year, even as the season went on. I don't think he was pretty serious. Like he was, I don't want to say like it wasn't overwhelmed, but I think he understood that like he had to be dialed in at all times to be able to be as effective as he was. And he was still learning a lot. Yeah. He he still is now, but he definitely has a better grasp than he did at any point last season, I would think. Yeah. I mean, we've both heard coaches this spring talk about they'll, they'll get done with a series and he'll have missed something. And before the coach can even say it, Des is like, I know I had this, I had that should have, should have had this read should have, should have saw that. Um, so he's, he's genuinely becoming a, a coach on the floor at quarterback and for a redshirt sophomore, that's very rare, especially at a quarterback position. Yeah. And it's, it also just, um, upholds all the stuff that we heard last year in terms of like work ethic and, you know, all these things that they loved in the kid before they saw him get out on the field and prove it. Now that he's done that, he still seems to have all those other leadership work ethic qualities and, and they're just kind of adding to the momentum that he had last season. Yeah. And it goes back to when he was a red shirt, when he was sitting out, um, I know this predates you, you were at Cincinnati magazine at the time writing. What did you cover at Cincinnati magazine, by the way? Anything, Anything? arts, arts, culture, sports. You, so you, sometimes you let me eat food, warm body. You were a warm body there too. It's true. That's, that's really been my most redeeming quality for <laughs> the entirety of my life. And you just warm bodied it into a, a, a high level, Division one beat in football and basketball. I respect right. the hustle, sir. What do they that say is, about like the best ability is availability? That that is fake it till it's you amazing. make it at its absolute <laughs> finest, my friend. What did you do? Well, I was kind of just a warm body there too. Sometimes they let me eat food. Yep. So, sometimes they paid me and I could eat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what were we talking about again? Oh, Des. Um, we heard a lot during his redshirt year that guys were like drawn to him. Which is weird for a kid that didn't have any experience, was brand new into the program, and all of a sudden everybody's drawn to this kid. That mm-hmm. And you had Hayden Moore and Ross Trail at that point in time. So there were a couple veteran guys in front of him. Everybody still kind of flocked to him, and now it's making sense. Now we're understanding why, uh, as you get the, the benefit of hindsight, the guys were as uh, gung-ho about Dez as they were. And still, like you mentioned, he's he's going into his redshirt sophomore season. So there's still a lot of these guys who have been here longer and who are, you know, juniors and seniors. And you still see that connection that they have with him. And that's yeah. pretty impressive. Um, the thing that has struck me, and I, you don't really have the 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 basis of, you know, being around when the roster kind of bottomed out. But boy, standing on the sidelines, you look around and. I think this is true even from camp, the start of camp last year um, when you were on a family vacation. <laughs> even from the start of camp last year, it looks different. Like, everybody's bigger. It looks like a big-time college football roster instead of what it looked like December 10th, 2016. 
And you could see a difference last year when Dino Boyd came, right? Because yeah. that just like then all five of the O line guys were big. And in terms of and now like with recruits coming in, guys like Mets and Harper, as as all of these guys have come on and started to get on the field more, I think that's because it starts on the offensive line. But you even see it like linebackers, guys like Darian Beavers, you know, secondary, the way James Wiggins looks and the way he's able to to move, or like Arquan Bush. These guys, they ju- you're right, they just look they look different. They look like a you know a high major um, power conference football team, and I don't I don't think they always looked like that for for a few years there. Well, Derek Forrest, I think, is another one. I yeah. mean, Wiggins gets all the hype, and rightfully so, because he's phenomenal. But at a, as a strong safety, like, Derek Forrest looks like what a strong safety should look like. And he's, and, like, he's one of those weight room, like, yeah. Brady loves the certain guys who just kill it in the weight room, and he's one of those guys. Yeah. So, uh, just from a roster standpoint, I know you did your uh, state of the program uh, the other day that, that had a, a depth chart in it, and then I released my projected depth chart. Um, there's, it, it's interesting because there's, they lost a lot, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel like there's a lot of holes when you go through the depth chart. I don't know if you, you felt the same way when you were making yours, but it doesn't feel like, man, they're, you know, other than defensive tackle where I think there's talent, there's just not experience. Um, it felt like they were ready for all of those departures. Yeah, the biggest the biggest surprise was offensive line because they lose Campbell, Trout, and Boyd. Boyd. Right, and you and you know I I think I we had to do the breakdowns in the state of the program. I think it was they lost more than fifty percent of the starts on the offensive line. Right, and yet there are people that are that are telling us like this you know this might be our biggest strength this season. Like we think this line could be really special, and that's having to replace three starters. That's pretty remarkable. Uh, and then, yeah, I would say the flip side of that is defensive tackle specifically. And again, not not that there isn't a possibility or, or talent there, but it just there's so much unknown because of how good Copeland and, and Broughton were last year. And I think you put Fitz in there, too. Like they're losing three really yeah. key starters and you just aren't sure yet because there's a lot of talent and potential there, but not a lot of reps. And there was a lot of reps between those three guys, especially right. Copeland and Broughton. Those are two guys that. Cortez redshirted, but from the time he saw the field and from the time Copeland saw the field, and even Fitz to a lesser extent, and those guys were mainstays from you know as soon as as soon as they touched the grass, um, and having them gone, uh, I think there is going to be an adjustment period there, uh, just because it's not a matter. I think the guys that are, that are there are talented, but they're not that talented and experienced and that mix of everything that those guys had. So there's going to be, you know, a little bit of a drop off there. I think I, yeah, I mean, there almost has to be, there has to be right. Like that's what coat or Broughton was first team all conference cope was second team. Like you can't kind of reasonably expect those, that, that kind of four group of Brooks, Taylor, Ponder Brown to come in and just immediately replace what was lost. Right. Um, I thought they had a pretty good spring though. Um, I, I wonder how much, you know, we talked about not, not calling Brooks out a bunch, uh, or noticing him a bunch, but he's at that nose tackle spot. So that's kind of, he's eating up space so other guys can, can get free. And I, I thought Ponder had a, an excellent camp because we all expected Marcus Brown to be in that starter spot opposite, uh, Brooks and maybe even Malik Van. Mm-hmm. And it was Ponder, and Ponder took it and ran with it. I thought he had a fantastic camp. Yeah, and I still, th- I still think Van, especially like on passing downs and, and against certain teams, we might see him bump inside a little bit once we get into the season. Uh, but yeah, I think the what what the coaches were were wanting or hoping was like for certain guys to just make it obvious, like these are our two guys. And I don't know if that's happened yet, but I don't know that it's necessarily a totally bad thing. I think part of it is just that some of these guys, they're still figuring out what they have with them, and it might be a little bit more of a battle than they anticipated. Um, and I think for some of it, they just might not know until they, they get them out there. Yeah, uh, cornerback. Mm-hmm. How and, – and really, it's not even cornerback that this affected with Kobe Bryant, Arquan Bush, and Cam Jeffries missing all of the spring. What was your – what was your – like, how did you handle getting a look at wide receivers that, for the most part, were going against – you know, back end of the roster or, you know, two deep type guys. Uh, I think Taj Ward, who got 
dinged up a little bit as well and missed some. Right. Like Taj Ward and Noah Hamlin are guys that that can play at this level, but they're not as good as the three guys that were out. And then from them, you know, you got TJ Johnson, uh, who actually had a decent camp. I think all the reps that he got kind of helped him. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I mean, we he saw, was he probably we we talked about how we saw him the most out there because he basically had to play so many snaps. Yeah, and, and by the end of camp, we were noticed he was making more plays. Um, but how do you how do you manage? And this was the toughest part for me. I thought Trent Cloud had a really good camp. I thought mm-hmm. Alec Pierce had a really good camp. Uh, Javen Hawes, we saw him come on a little bit. Um, but it, it's it, it was really hard overall to judge. Uh, because we didn't get to see what they look like against the top three guys at any point in time. And I, I'm sure you had the same experience. That was kind of what the coaches were saying, too, is, you know, it's it's tough to judge because of, of who you're going against. I think the biggest thing is you you want to see guys make plays, maybe more especially in this situation. Right. And so, yeah, maybe if if Pierce or Cloud or, or whoever makes a play and it's on a walk-on or, or someone who doesn't have a lot of experience, that that is it is a little bit of a caveat, but you still want to see those guys making plays. So the fact that Cloud and Pierce and sometimes Yanez Rogers, um, these guys come out and are able to flash a little bit, even if it's not against the the first team top line guys, you're at least seeing some amount of potential shown there. And so I think that's a good sign. But yeah, I mean that's to me defensive tackle and, and wide receiver are the two most obvious question marks. Um, and I, I, I think we both feel comfortable saying that they're they're probably not done at wide receiver. I think they're still looking to add someone with, what, the last scholarship spot they have? Yeah, there's one. And then when they get to August, I believe they can start counting them forward towards next year, mm-hmm. um, which I think you might see as we get to camp that they, they look at that route simply because there's only, what, 13 seniors on this roster, 14 seniors on this roster? Yeah, it's young. Um. So they're they're probably not going to need to get to a full 25 again to fill up an 85-man roster. Uh, so you might see them again dip back into that transfer, grad transfer market uh, as we get to August, and they can start counting those guys forward without penalty. Um, I think there might be more than one, I mean, maybe two. The other part too is just it, it is still early, which sounds ridiculous, but like I, you know, I don't know if anyone in spring of last year expected what Madaris was able to do or what Jayshon was able, Jayshon Jackson was able to do last season. So, you know, you give him a couple weeks to get months to get in the weight room, um, keep learning the, the game and, and feeling comfortable within their position, and maybe Trent Cloud comes out or Alec Pierce comes out and in fall camp and really breaks away and establishes himself. Yeah, I think the thing for both of those guys, and I mentioned it um, in my top performers piece, um, both of them ran better routes. It wasn't just that they were able to take the top off the defense. It's that they were able to show that that wasn't the only thing that they had in their bag of tricks, mm-hmm. uh, which was the big question for both of them because that's been the thing for both of them. It, you know, They've just been kind of deep threat guys, and if that's the case, then teams are just going to play off you. Uh, and not let you get over the top on them. Once you are able to start running those other routes, once you're able to start mixing it in, um, then you can be effective. And I think both of them improve quite a bit there with the caveat that we don't know what they have at corner. And that's the biggest question that they have from losing Khalil Lewis, don't you think, is like the guy who can kind of run different routes, who can run inside outside on third and seven where you know you know you need to go to somebody. Yeah. You know, he was he was the guy and he wasn't a perfect receiver, but he definitely um, had those abilities. And and that's the biggest thing they're losing outside from just the raw production, I would say. Yeah, um, I think it'll be interesting to see how much more the tight end uh, is used in those situations um, with the new quote unquote K position named after Travis Kelsey. Uh, is that, you know, do you get DeGuara out there? Um, you know, a combination of DeGuara split wide and Leonard Taylor at the line of scrimmage. Now you have, you know, two pass catching threats that can help move the chains on third down, things along those lines. Uh, Mike Denbrock is going to have the ability to be pretty creative this year. And this is coaches talk about this, and this is something you've talked to me about, especially when it comes to like recruiting is trust your eyes. And it feels like watching Taylor this spring, like, he just has a chance to be really, really good. I mean, there were five or six times this spring he made catches that you knew he had the physical tools 
I didn't know his hands were that good. Right. I mean, he can run routes. He's big. You know, you have to go into a different zip code to get around him (laughs) to be able to break it up. But he made some catches this spring, man, that were just like. Like all hands up over his head. NFL, NFL level deal. Like guys should not be able to just snatch that ball out of the air the way that, that Leonard Taylor did. And he did it. Um, so I, yeah, that if I would have had to have, and I told you this many times, and you kept trying to to sell me on Sopko, you kept trying to sell me on Jake Tuart, um, but if I had to pick, Leonard Taylor probably would have been my MVP at camp. Yeah, I mean, just again, a team that looks a lot more, uh, where you look out and you see a lot bigger, you know, high level football type players. He still stood out a lot of times, and I think that's meaningful. Him and his buddy. His buddy stood out quite a few times as well, Tavion Thomas. <laughs> like <laughs> that's that's your dude. Even last year, early on, that was the guy who you were like, "This this kid is gonna be running over people." Well, he's literally the most physically gifted back in a room full of four number one guys, right? And two guys that have proven it at the college level. McClellan's proven it as well, but. Somebody mentioned this to me about the spring game. <clears throat> they said it, it looked like when Thomas was on the field, the defense played with a greater sense of urgency in trying to hit him. And I was like, yeah. I call that fear. Yeah, because if you don't, he's going to run you over and then run by you. Like th- right. there were a couple times he had a, a couple like 25, 30 yard runs this year where he turned the corner or, or came off a one of the gaps in the in the interior of the line and by the time he got to the second level he was at full speed and there wasn't anybody that had any desire to get in his way right yeah i mean these i think all of these guys are, are running hard and like there's no way you could watch mike warren or dokes and be like I they're think not they're running hard right, right or not playing 100 percent. but it's it's almost just like a different switch like tavion doesn't even realize it's practice or doesn't care that it's his teammate like He's going balls to the walls every single time he touches the ball. And, yeah, how fast he is with how big he is, it's, it's, it is terrifying when he, like, gets out in, in front of somebody or in space. Well, you just see guys bounce off of him. It's like Tech Mobile. Right. Are you old enough for Tech Mobile? You're not old enough for Tech Mobile. You I'm, might, I'm, you might I've, have played it. I've, I've seen stories on the internet about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like Bo Jackson and Tech Mobile. Guys just ping, ping, ping. And literally, they're like, they land seven yards away right. <laughs> from bouncing off of him. And as, um, as Garrett Campbell can attest to, like, he'll run over his own offensive lineman. He, he will to. break your ankle if you get in his way. He will break your ankle. Oof, poor Garrett. <laughs> we, we had to get a Garrett Campbell mentioned in there somewhere. I, I hopefully after all this draft stuff, I'm looking forward to having Garrett on a podcast as well because I think he would be very entertaining. Uh, if if you get him on one of these, um, you you missed him at the spring game. You missed, of course, Jason Kelsey. Uh, you missed Corey Cunningham, who is no longer big country. No, no, that's big Hollywood. <laughs> he had designer jeans on. He had the uh, like the the expensive polo shirt that only covered like one fourth of his bicep. Right. He had, he had the designer sunglasses tucked into the buttons on his polo shirt. Uh, it's like big country. Who who and are will change you? People, huh? Who are you? You are not big country anymore. You are big money. Um, but it was uh it was a good spring game. It's too bad you missed it, but you were there for you, – you made all the other ones. You, you, I, you saying, 14 I made all practices. the boring stuff. Yeah, you 14 practices. You missed the big one. <laughs> like, I'm a, I'm a B-sides and rarities kind of guy. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a spring football hipster. Oh, that's so funny. Psh, spring game? That's so like, – 2014. What, open to the public? No thanks. Yeah. I only show up when nobody else is allowed to come. That, that way my coverage is more important. I don't need fans having their own thoughts on what they saw. Drink my oat milk and and (laughs) drink your, your hipster IPA. (laughs) Oh boy. Um, all right, man. Well, I think, I think we're, we're at our time limit. I know we could probably go on forever and start telling some stories. Uh, but those would probably just get us in trouble. 
That's right. We'll just we'll save it, assuming that maybe sometime in the future I get asked back. We'll 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 save it for that. Well, I was I was um, Sasna wanted in, and I told oh, him. Oh, really? Yeah, he 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 referred to us as the three best friends that anyone could ever have. <laughs> And uh, he was he was a little jealous when I told him that I was just having you on. Uh, so maybe next time we'll have the three of us on. Was, we might have saved his job, though, by not having him yeah, on. Yeah, that's I, fair. I that's probably pull. true. Because you know what we would have done. We both would have turned reporter. It would have been <laughs> us against him. <laughs> so he, Brandon, he would have just dropped the call. Brandon, Tuesday, 10.53 a.m. What was going on in the Linder Center? <laughs> Tell us about the first time that you pulled out the file for John Brandon. Oh, uh, he would have. Yeah, he would have hung up. He, he would have <laughs> lasted like four minutes. I'm like, I, so, hello. Sorry. God, I can't. I'm going to have to let you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother. Well, it has been a pleasure having you on the beat for the past nine months. Hopefully I, uh, I haven't scared you away too much. I, uh, no, not yet. I have no uh, my my calendar for for higher ground is completely clear. No vacations planned. No semi distant relatives uh, are getting married <laughs> that I know of. So yeah, you just run your schedule by me from here on out, <laughs> and I'll let, I'll let you know whether or not you're going to get roasted for it for an extended period of time uh, before you plan anything big. Uh, ju- the end of June. Mm-hmm. From the end of June, like the last week and a half, two weeks of June. To the fourth of July is vacation time in this. Okay. In this. Although you don't, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you to a couple football camps this summer as well. Yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna try to get you to an AAU event. I'm gonna I'm gonna expose you to all of my world, not just the uh, the the show up for the fun UC parts of it, <laughs> but the uh, stand around in a hundred and ten degree heat on the turf at Nippert Stadium on a random Tuesday, uh, watching four hundred high school kids run the forty yard dash. I mean, that's, it's not the best sales pitch, but, you know. That's that's where the fun is. I'm absolutely lying out my ass there. It's terrible. But <laughs> <laughs> it's a labor of love, and that's what we do. Uh, thanks, brother. I appreciate it. Uh, I am usually not very nice to people that, that are on my beat and competing with me. Uh, but for some reason, I like you. I'm not sure why. It has been an honor and a privilege, and I know it, it bothers you when I tell people this, but you have been a huge help. And I have I, not! I pre- Damn it! <laughs> Jesus. I've been a jerk. You tell this is, actually, this is the first jerk. time we've ever talked. You, you have completely snubbed me for the entire time. <laughs> that is true for somebody else that's on the beat right now that I have spoken to four words. Uh, I'll let you figure out who that is on your own. Um but, you know, I, I, I get along with Justin. Justin is good people. And more than anything, Justin, you put in the work, which is really all I've ever asked for for, uh, for, for people coming on this beat. Um, and, you know, it's really not that bad. No, it's great. It's sports. Yeah, it's sports. Like, it's, people ask me all the time, like, what's the job like? And I said, well, going to football and basketball practice for a living beats the hell out of having a job. That's right. Although – I'm going to look into warm body. I, I think I would be really good at warm body. It, it gets it gets you farther than a lot of people realize. I will say that. Warm body. Like anybody anybody hiring for a warm body, I think I could fill that role. What 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 do you need me to do? Uh, nothing today. Just wait around and see if we got something for you tomorrow. Deal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Um it's been weird this week because we haven't been on campus. Have you, gone up, have you gone up there and just like hung out on the eighth floor? I have not yet. I, I was actually I was down though that that way today, and I thought about just like strolling through. But you know, I don't, I don't want to. I feel like I've already overstayed my welcome, so I don't, <laughs> don't want to push it. Let me know one time, one day next week. We'll just go and we'll like we'll independently move from level to level. Like sit on the eighth floor for thirty minutes, sit on the seventh floor for thirty minutes sit on the sixth floor for 30 minutes and just see if anybody comes and goes. I think, I think it sounds like a good plan. All right. We'll do that. He's Justin Williams. I appreciate you coming on brother. We will, uh, we will talk again soon. Thanks man. I'm Chad Brendel. We'll see you next time. It's the BCJ podcast on bearcatjournal.com.